You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. Where we analyze the surface and surface the analytics. Where we gate the followers and follow the gatekeepers. Where we try to convince you, our lovely listeners, that there's something more powerful than social media. More powerful than programmatic advertising and retargeting. More powerful than email marketing that uses the original Wi-Fi connection. Your heart-to-heart connection with fans and friends. Aww. But seriously, folks, let's hand it over to the experts at the first annual Music Tectonics Conference, which we held October 28th and 29th, 2019 in Los Angeles. We recruited smart marketing thinkers from great indie labels, Ninja Tune, New West Records, Concord, and Loma Vista, and a lone head of digital at Friends at Work Management Agency to put on a title, a panel titled this is how we do it. Labels and managers share music tech tools for marketing. Okay, stop screwing around. Let's go on to the panel recording and see what you find out. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our panel. Um, we are today discussing tech tools for marketing. My name is Mary Clausen. I am head of North America for NinjaTune, and I'm also running a global streaming team that's based here in the US, um, in the UK, in France, and Germany. And my day-to-day -day consists on working on big artist campaigns and maximizing streams and engagement um, for our fans and the audience. And um, I'm really excited about having a really great lineup of speakers here. So we have a variety of people from management and labels here. And I give the microphone over to Jeremy, who is going to introduce himself. Um, hi, I'm Jeremy Gruber. Um, I'm representing the, the management side of the business here on, on the panel. Um, my, I have three different jobs though. My main uh, day job is at Friends at Work where we manage uh, John Legend, Lindsay Sterling, Raphael Sadiq, and a number of developing acts. I'm the head of artist marketing and digital strategy there. Um, I'm also a partner in the marketing tech, found, marketing tech startup Foundy and I'm an adjunct professor at USC. Hi, I'm Ryan Rockford. I'm the head of e-commerce for Loma Vista. We are a label based in LA. Um, so my day-to-day -day is really preaching to the converted. So my job is to monetize the direct-to-fan relationship. So I get the most hardcore fans, figure out exactly what they want, make the great products, and don't fuck it up in order to get it to them on time. Which there's a lot of adventure that happens between the ideation and the actual fulfillment of the product. And so um, my day-to-day -day is a lot of different things of making sure that that relationship is really well respected. Hi, I'm Josh Berman. I'm the SVP of Streaming and Digital Marketing at Concord, which is a uh, collection of independent labels uh, based mostly in LA, uh, Nashville, New York. My day-to-day -day is essentially uh, in charge of a team of people who are talking to the DSPs every day looking for streaming, playlisting, marketing opportunities on and off platform. Uh, we have an in-house advertising agency within the same department, so driving consumers to the streaming services through paid media, um, and a digital marketing team of people who are doing everything from content creation to uh, audi audience insights and artist analytics. <clears throat> I'm Mike Fabio. I uh, am the VP of Digital Strategy at New West Records in Nashville. Um, I oversee all aspects of our digital business, including streaming, social, web, e-commerce, advertising. If it lives on the internet, I probably have something to do with it. Cool. Thank you so much. Jeremy, do you want to quickly share what your day-to-day -day looks like? So um, as the, I'll kind of speak mostly on the management side, as the, the management person on the panel, um, 
my role is sitting in between all the partners that our artists work with. So um, the the common thread that connects all kind of like you know if, if it exists online, it's it's my job. It's kind of the same idea because whether it be you know someone like John Legend has ten different revenue streams. He's got or recorded music, live business, brand deals, his own wine label, LVE, which you should all check out. Um, it, there's all these businesses that happen at the center of them is his audience, and my job is to uh, make sure that that communication remains consistent, so every day is very, very different. Great, thank you. And um, what do you find that you're focusing more most on every day? Is it streaming, or is it pushing um, tour dates, or is it pushing singles? Um, for us, it really, it's a matter of managing a schedule over time. So, um, you know, yesterday we announced, uh, John Legend was on the cover of Vanity Fair with his family, um, that premiered yesterday online. And we also announced a deluxe version of his Christmas album. So that pre-order went up. So last week was setting up that pre-order. Uh, my job was like Ryan's job last week. Um, this week we are gearing up for the, uh, the DSP set up for that. So ne the next two weeks will be more about streaming. And, and so every day is completely different. Okay. Brilliant. Um, I think streaming is now a big aspect on everything that we're doing. And that leads us to the next question, which is streaming analytics. So a lot of it is driving and campaigns, getting up your streams, engagement, your shares, your save rate. Um, and I would like to talk to Josh a bit about what uh, tools he finds are mostly useful when he is analyzing his streaming activity in campaign and post album. Sure. So first and foremost, the person that can invent the one stop shop for all of this information will be a certainly a millionaire, hopefully a billionaire. And I hope that it happens soon because it, it certainly has not happened soon. So my day is a you know, cacophony of looking at various different platforms uh, to get a read on a record to see what's happening, you know, uh, you know, what are the next steps, what is the best strategy. So uh, on average, what I'm looking at mostly would be the obvious Spotify for artists, um, you know, Apple sa uh, sales and trends or, you know, iTunes Connect uh, for our artist roster. Um, as far as other third-party platforms I use on a daily basis, the big one's probably Chartmetric. I'm a big fan of the platform. Uh, we now have pretty much every project manager and digital manager at our, at our labels using it. Um, the reason for that being uh, it's closest to a kind of one-stop shop. It doesn't have the consumption uh, uh, data, but it does have good social tracking metrics, um, good streaming tracking metrics, what playlists we're on, what playlists we're not on anymore what positions we're on in those playlists. Um, it seems to be the m sort of quickest go-to. Um, it's, it's not as immediate. There's always a lag because they're obviously pulling in from the feed uh, pretty much at the same um, speed as like a Nielsen would get it. Um, so there's always a bit of a lag you've got to be aware of. Um, there's another platform called Spot On Track that I actually use pretty frequently specifically for Spotify um, because they seem to get data either a little quicker um, or I just, you know, again, I have to check all of these things kind of constantly. Um, but the, yeah, the, the two main ones outside of the owned ones being Spotify and Apple owned ones would be Chartmetric and, uh, and Spot on Track. Um, and then of course, Nielsen Music Connect, which um, I know those accounts are incredibly expensive and not all independent artists or labels can afford those. Um, but we have, we have many accounts for, for that as well. Brilliant. And if you could, what, what would be your three things that you would like to see being improved with chart metrics? Well, 
with chart metrics specifically, I mean, one of the things would be to improve the speed and the accuracy of it. Mm -hmm. I'm not finding things that are really wrong, but I really wish with the speed of digital, I really wish we could get things more in the real time as they're happening. Um, the other thing that I've actually talked to them about, which would be incredible is, I mean, it's somewhat unique to my experience, but I'm sure there's many other people who would benefit from this, which is I have 150 artists across the six labels that I'm working, and everything is so new music focused. But if there was any alert system or tracker that could let me know something is happening right now, you've got a huge spike in monthly listeners or followers on Spotify, you've got a huge spike in engagement on Instagram, something like that, specifically for an artist campaign that's not current, mm -hmm. right? If there's a sync or a TikTok moment happening that I'm not aware of or all these other things, mm -hmm. you know, I've got to be constantly searching for 150 artists. I can't do that. I have a whole team of people that we, we can't do that. So some kind of alert tracking. So you could set a threshold and see, oh, you had a massive spike in whatever threshold you were setting for that would be incredibly helpful. Yeah. And it's not impossible. It's, they claim it's on the roadmap. Mm -hmm. I think it's just a big dev work uh, for them, but yeah. that would be the other one that I'm yeah. dying for. Um, one of the things that we've done at NinjaTune, we've used Spotify's API, um, and we basically programmed so that if there's a significant increase of streams, let's say 50%, then we get an alert, and that makes us then look into, uh, into tracking it. Yes. Cool. Um, have you worked with your API at all? Yeah, so we, the other platform that I use regularly um, is one called Entertainment Intelligence that we actually, it's a, it's a good group of developers out of the UK, and they actually built a bespoke dashboard for us, uh, which basically, it's a dashboard that sits on top of the data lake of our feed of Spotify, um, Apple Music, and now Google data. Um, and uh, that it's, 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 it has some similar things to Spotify for Artists and, and, um, and Chartmetric. Um, but what's very interesting to me is what's in the feed from Spotify and Apple, which is going to our distributor, which is Universal Music, but is not showing up in Spotify for artists or Chartmetric is skip rates, save rates, or sorry, skip rates, um, length of time listened to. So we actually have that now in our EI dashboard. So if, I'm, if we've launched a new single and I'm trying to get a read and I'm using social listening tools and all these other things, I can actually see, oh, this is actually getting skipped quite frequently before 60 seconds or something like that. So that, that, the EI is another one that's using, it's using um, the API and it's, it's quite a powerful tool. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, Mike, do you have anything to add to this topic? <clears throat> no, I, I think those are, those are spot on. I think one of the major points there is like, um, working with catalog is an exceedingly difficult proposition, um, especially when you're in the, millions of tracks worth of catalog. Um, we, we only have thousands of tracks, but even that is totally unmanageable when you're, mm -hmm. when you're trying to look at data across all of that at the same time. Yeah. And when we're talking about uh, getting your artists on playlists, are there any tools that you're using for that, Mike? Uh, well, the obvious one uh, is Spotify for Artists and the, the label component of that, which is the uh, Spotify Analytics dashboard, which I actually prefer because it gives me more of a general overview of, of mm -hmm. uh, what's coming up as opposed to having to jump between artist accounts and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, that's an invaluable tool, but probably the biggest tool we have is email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely I, come to that as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, honestly, like so much of my day is just constantly keeping our uh, label reps at DSPs and uh, all the curators across uh, all of them updated with what's happening in our world. Yeah. and. It's just a, it's a constant flow of information. Yeah. 
Um, would you mind just explaining to our audience how the Spotify pitch tool is working? I love what? it. I don't know what your guys' experience with it is, but so far it's been wonderful for yeah. us. It's a, it's a really great sort of centralized place where you can pitch anything that's coming up. Um, it has its shortcomings as well, but um, for the most part, it allows you as, as the person pitching to categorize a piece of music, um, tell Spotify all of the salient information about the music itself, and then um, give a sort of a short pitch about um, you know, what this music means and, and why they should be paying attention to it. Um, I think that that tool has, has been uh, a godsend. It certainly, it doesn't give me any more transparency into the process, which I, really bums me out. Um, but at least I know that my pitch is getting into the system as opposed to these emails into the black hole of yeah. Spotify or whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah, I agree, of course. So one other thing to add to that is I think one thing the pitch tool does is it also adds layers of thought that you have to add to your release schedule and like how you're actually introducing music into the world. And I think that's especially true of developing artists or mid-tier artists that are have, have a bit of an audience but aren't, you know, mainstream, like you release it and it gets streams no matter what. Um, because of things like the fact that on Spotify, and Spotify kind of, they're, as the ones with this pitch tool, are defining that. Um, in a lot of ways. And, and what I've noticed is because you can only pitch one song at a time, that defines your single release schedule to some degree because release radar and their Spotify algorithm has kind of a certain nuance to how long things need to sit in the in there to get served, it means you want to spread your releases out a little bit. You don't want to do a release a week unless you're Ed Sheeran and you can do that. Um, so like, there's a little things that you kind of have to think about um, and, and that's one of the things we're approaching with our developing acts where we also do the distribution is understanding the nuances of that um, because we're starting to see algorithms matter more than programmers on a pretty consistent basis. Totally. And, and these pitch tools uh, feed the data that those algorithms are using, yeah. which is invaluable. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so another piece of the puzzle is for fans starting for fans to buy directly, um, and Ryan, you're an expert in that. Um, what are the the preferred tools that you use in e-commerce? Sure. So I've tried a few different platforms, but really Shopify wins across the board. I, I find that it's just the easiest to customize for each artist because every artist is going to have different preferences, and there hasn't been so far anything that I haven't been able to accomplish design-wise with Shopify. Um, I also just think that the, the easier that you make it for the fan to, to complete their purchase, the better, obviously. And because they're familiar with that purchase flow, there's lots of cool plugins that make it even easier. If they plug in their phone number, it'll pre-populate with their credit card info. Um, they can get you know shipping notifications via text message, which is huge. Um, I also just really love Shopify because of the out-of-the-box analytics telling me things like what are people searching for within our shops, um, what is the, how successful are our abandoned cart emails, and that's just something that is displayed on the page without me having to do a bunch of digging and you know, export reports and to do those calculations myself, it's just serving those up. Um, and also the, the plugins really are helpful, anything that I want the, the, the stack to do whether it's reporting to SoundScan, whether it's doing uh, bundling, or also I'm starting to experiment with more print-on-demand. So there's lots of like print-on-demand plugins that work really well with Shopify that allow me to test different designs or have 
very like streetwear sensibility where I'll be able to drop something for one week, pull it down and then launch something new because I'm no longer having to commit to a full run of stock. Um, so I love that flexibility that I can have traditional stock also, you know, the print on demand under one roof and it's just very nimble. Um, but one thing that I wanted to bring up that's not a, a tool, it's really a marketplace, but I'm starting to focus on more and have success is Bandcamp. Um, really seeing the, the tools that they've made available for messaging directly to the fan base are pretty powerful. That I'm able to message directly all of the fans who've supported any releases for our artists and share with them an updated pack shot, send them a message about tour dates. Um, they really make it easy with the Bandcamp Artist app. So I'm starting to, to put more focus into that marketplace as well. Um, and then of course email. You said email is just so powerful and really for the direct-to-fan relationship, um, data capture is so important and then being really respectful of when you use that and if you do it well, that should be your highest performing channel with D2C, should really be your email. Um, so yeah, I'd really say email yeah. and Shopify. That's great. Right. It's really interesting because for years we've thought that email is actually dead, but it's really coming back, isn't it? It's still one of the very most, important. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Jeremy, do you have any other further thoughts on um, email marketing and what tools you're using for direct marketing um, communication? Yeah, I mean, being able to, as Ryan was saying, being able to directly communicate to an audience is the single most valuable thing that you, you have and it's it's the hardest thing to control and it's the first thing that anybody takes away as, as a as a system scales I mean we manage Lindsay Sterling who's a huge YouTube artist and has over 12 million subscribers and YouTube provides us with absolutely no way to reach those 12 million people um, because if they did it would be a uh, customer service nightmare right if we could just do a push notification to 12 million people like that and PewDiePie could also with 100 million people that would also be an issue um, so email is something you can own and it's something that we do own and we focus on it a lot and the way we think about that is every partner we work with if there is a data collection element to it we are negotiating in advance to get that data shared in a uh, GDPR compliant data compliant way um, so the quickest example is um, when we do tour pre-sales. That's the number one way we collect data as management. Uh, we work with a company called Seated. It's a great tool, a uh, great startup um, that does, uh, they set up tour pre-sales, very similar if you're familiar with the way Songkick and CrowdSurge are working, it's very similar. Um, people sign up for the pre-sale, they give their email address, they give their phone number, they get text notifications, email notifications, day of the show. I don't have to wake up in the morning and uh, you know, for 7 a.m. for the East Coast pre-sale, and all of a sudden we've sold a quarter of the tour, and I just got 20,000 email addresses. Brilliant. And how do you store that data? So I wish I could tell you that we use Salesforce and we have this great, you know, highly integrated system, but we're management. We have eight artists, two of which make significant revenue, and we don't scale like that. So we don't have a giant system. We use FanBridge for Lindsey Sterling. It's a great, it's an easy system. Um, and we use Sony's Salesforce account for John. Um, and we have varying MailChimp accounts. And it's just kind of glued together all over the place because we don't have the scale to have a yeah. fully integrated system. Is it similar for you, Josh? Yeah, well, we actually, we switched over to MailChimp, actually. Yeah, so we, we now use MailChimp as our, as our main email marketing tool. Um, what do you like about it? Well, I mean, it's just similar to Shopify. It just seems to be the easiest kind of low-touch, um, all-in-one place. Um, and it just also dovetails with we don't actually control most of our artists' emails. The ma management does. And we just noticed that a lot of our artists were already using it, and it was just easier to integrate and onboard when we signed a new artist. Um, 
And because there's so many people that do touch our artist emails from my team to management to, uh, you know, uh, people like it's certainly some of these bigger management companies will have like a touring person, a digital person. So it yeah. just seemed easier to have have something that everyone could use yeah. sort of ease of use. Brilliant. Great. OK, so beside email marketing, social media is another um, beast and uh, it has many different channels that are difficult and challenging to to manage. Um, Mike, I would like to talk to you a little bit on how you are finding that you're managing the social media accounts across your artist. Uh, in general, we don't manage the artist accounts um, and that is a logistical decision, um, but it's also just because managing that many artist accounts would basically be impossible. But it also is because uh, no matter what I could possibly do from the label side, I will never have the connection with the fan that the artist has on their own. Um, and even an artist management company, I think, has a better kind of grasp of how to manage that on, uh, uh, from the artist. And when you go to your own labels accounts, um, you probably manage those, correct? Someone else on my team yeah. does, but yeah. So, um, and and we, do, we do all of that very manually. Um, we use a couple of tools, so Buffer has been uh, invaluable yeah. to us. Mm -hmm. It's just a great way to schedule posts, mm -hmm. to do some sort of analytics on the other side to see what's performing well. Um, it's also just a great way to keep uh, certain platforms uh, just constantly populated with, with, with content, especially yeah. Twitter. Um, I think that... Uh, for the most part, the the work that we're doing on social is very manual, though. It's mm -hmm. very, post this here, this time, and do it now. And mm -hmm. yeah, we do a lot of scheduling and things mm -hmm. like that, but it's it's all as native as possible mm -hmm. because uh, that just uh, works better with those mm -hmm. platforms' algorithms. Mm -hmm. So for us, Instagram is driving one some of the best um, engagement rates, actually. Is that the same for you, Ryan? The, a lot of our artists that have younger fan bases, really they're only on Instagram, so many of them don't have mm -hmm. any Facebook accounts. But um, I am finding that Facebook can still move the needle in terms of sales for the very established artists that have those massive mm -hmm. followings. So we do post, um, and we, we don't use any tools, mm -hmm. we post natively as well to both Instagram and to mm -hmm. Facebook. And are you using any, um, any tools to post or repost? No, we're, we're doing that all pretty natively. And same for you guys? I can say, so we are, uh, same thing, so we have so many artists and really the, to do community management at the label level is nearly impossible, unless you're in the, our catalog division, because obviously many of those artists are no longer with us, or we run the estate or other things, so, you know, on that side of it's slightly different, but for a new frontline artist, it really is the artists themselves and mm -hmm. someone within management running with that. Um, but we are, uh, we are also now uh, just recently up on a tool called Synthesio, and that's more on uh, like social listening, and that's really just to see, it's basically scraping the internet to see what the reactions are. So it's everything from Reddit to Amazon reviews to basically getting us a good read on you know, what the impact in the marketplace is as soon as we launch something, and that's been a very helpful, helpful tool, um, kind of more on, on the analytics side. Um, what was the question? Define affordable. <laughs> yeah, what's the probably price not point? For small, <laughs> probably not for small labels. Okay. That's the biggest issue we've run into with social listening tools. They're extraordinarily expensive. Yeah. Yeah, with management also, it's, it doesn't, it, unless you have scale, it's really hard to use social listening. Right. And to be fair, it's one of those things where you get out of it what you put in. If you don't have someone constantly doing queries and, and, and asking for it to sort of 
you know, learn what you need, then yeah. you're not going to get out of it. Yeah. Okay, so that's leading us to conversion tracking, and I would like to discuss what tools you guys are using for that to track your marketing efforts, making sure it's on point and selling as much as possible. Jeremy, are you happy to talk about that? So there's a, there's a few different topics on this. I mean, one of the challenges of the traditional recorded music industry that we're, that we're in is that we don't always own the shopping cart, so we don't own the, the checkout process. So what we approach is trying to own as much of the data flow as we can. Um, I'm actually, you know, full disclosure, I'm a partner in a, that I mentioned earlier, a uh, marketing technology startup called Foundy. Um, and Concord is one of our investors and users, so there's a little bit of stuff known on, the, on this panel. But um, that, uh, that system allows you to track where people are coming from, where they're going, put them into retargeting pools for potential advertising later. Um, when you're running your advertising campaign, there can be uh, conversion pixels put on any shopping cart you do own so you can track any basically the flow of data as far as you can through the system obviously when someone gets to spotify we know they got to spotify we don't know what they listen to but when you can send them to your d2c store or to uh some shopping cart you do own then you can get some more some more data out of that and we, we do as much as as you can in this industry yeah so we as jeremy mentioned we use this platform foundy um, for both um, our, our retargeting and conversion tracking as well as our data collection. So what we've done at Concord is actually set up uh, sort of master accounts across every label um, so we can now collect consumer data from Loma Vista, Fantasy, Fearless, Rounder, and Concord Records. And then we have the ability to cross-reference the data. So if we know we've signed a developing artist who fans of St. Vincent might be into, we already have 100,000 people in a St. Vincent retargeting pool, we can, we can use them. So we've cr basically created a data management platform using, using Foundy, but of course, we're still using Google Analytics, we're still using you know, all, the, all, the, all the major ones, you can't ignore those. Um, so what we do is we, just, we, we have a Google Tag Manager installed on all of our artist websites on every page all the way through the checkout process. Um, which has the Foundy Pixel, Facebook Pixel, it's got everything in the Google Tag Manager. We found that to be the most efficient. Um, and beside the data that you are now receiving, is there any other data that you would like to have access to that you currently don't see? Yes. <laughs> uh, so one of my biggest gripes, specific in the recorded music business, or really in the music business in general, is the data siloing. Right? I, I, I don't know, I've never you know, worked in the fashion industry or in these other industries, but I have friends who work there, and it's, it just baffles me that we as an industry do not have the ability to cross-reference the data where the artist is the absolute epicenter of everything, right? The artist and the music. And they, they're, they're selling tickets, they're selling merch, and they're selling music. But we are not able to cross-reference that data to really help you know, the tide lift all ships, right? We're not getting ticketing data, uh, granular or really much ticketing data at all from, from the ticketing companies. It's very hard to get data from the merch companies. Management, who does sit in the middle of all these things, can get some of it, but not all of it. And that blows my mind as well, that you know, powerful managers can't get all of the most granular data possible to really drive a campaign and inform the label and inform the booking agent and inform the merch company. So yes, that is one of my biggest gripes in, in the, all of the music industry. Of, and if that were to change, if you were to knock down those silos, way more money would flow in for the artists. That's really interesting. Good point. Thank you. Um, Mike, I'd like to talk with you a bit about advertising. Um, and are there any advertising platforms that you're using for retargeting right now? Um, there are. So, uh, and to be perfectly honest, the, the ones we use are all native. So we are deep into the Facebook advertising platform in particular. 
um, because it tends to have the biggest ROI of any of the platforms we use. We also use um, Google AdWords for, or Google Ads now, I guess it's called, um, as much as we can. Um, however, that uh, is a much more complicated system. We use it when the situation calls for it. So for instance, if we have a, an artist on a, on a television program, we'll run search ads around that because we know that people are gonna be searching for that artist at that specific time. Um, whereas uh, at Facebook, I can run much more generalized ads. I can run them over long periods of time. I can target very, very specific users based on interests, based on you know all of the various things that Facebook services, but I can also tie in retargeting pixels that we have running across all of our sites, all of our short URLs, uh, anywhere where a fan might come in contact with the artist, hopefully they're getting pixeled, cookied, um, and eventually I can reuse that data. And how about advertisement and Spotify and um, Pandora? Jeremy, do you have any expertise in that? Um, so a little bit. I, I've, um, we don't run a ton of advertising as a management company because that's primarily run through uh, promoters and labels and things like that. We do run a little bit. Um, I actually, I used to be in a band and I ran a Spotify ad, audio ad as a test to just see it work. And it did. I actually drove traffic to a band that hadn't been around for for um, for six years. Uh, we used a platform that we, we that Foundy built with uh, CD Baby uh, called uh, Show.co and bought audio ads and actually have people coming back and listening to the band I see this, the data in our Spotify for artists. It's people listen to, we have new followers, people listen to full records. Um, Pandora, I love their free tools. Um, AMP is fantastic and is a gr one of the best advertisements we've done for touring. We do it every time an artist on tour is uploading audio promotions uh, through AMP to say, hey, I'm in New York, come see my show. And we get like 1.5% click through or something, like more than we would get from any paid ad. It's actually great. I would add this to the Spotify advertising. Um, the costs are very high, the click-through rates are not great, but the one most amazing thing about Spotify advertising is they are not skippable audio ads, which means you get 30 seconds of guaranteed music placement that you can get your song in front of a fan. Yeah. Also, to say just quickly on that, they have actually now added conversion tracking, which is a really nice thing. We've been asking for that for yeah. years from that ad studio team. So now that they have conversion tracking, those high CPMs actually make a lot more sense. I feel like I'm getting much better ROI because I can see when I book the audio ad on Spotify what the consumer actually did. Did the you know were they a new fan, previous fan? Did they go and save the song to collection? Those kinds of things make Spotify audio ads much more enticing. I also agree with the Pandora ones, the free tools, the liners, absolutely use them every single time. It's free advertising to a potential audience of 80 million people. Why wouldn't you do that? The paid advertising is great, but they've now put, I think it's a $15,000 minimum, mm -hmm. which is really unfortunate. Yeah. Um, and then we just had some news about Spotify um, making their marquee placement um, available to purchase. Um, at NinjaTune, we've had lots of marquee placements um, given to us throughout like priority campaigns. Um, we currently haven't planned to book any of these, but I'm curious to hear if um, one of some of the labels or artist um, managers here are planning to, to use the marquee. But finding that they're actually driving lots of traffic, a so very high conversation rate. Yeah, conversion it's, rate. it's a really good tool. Uh, we, we, we would get them editorially somewhat frequently. Now we're gonna have to pay for them. Uh, it is what it is. So we're, we're now in touch with both Spotify Ad Studio and Universal Our Distributor to figure out what the best process mm -hmm. is what the, what the rate cards are. So we're right in the middle of, of figuring that out, but we certainly are going to be booking those. I wanna see 
what the ability to track uh, um, and target is. I want to see what the conversion metrics are. Like, I, I, I still want to see what they're actually going to offer on the back end before we start paying for them. Yeah. But ultimately, yeah, that is a very powerful tool that dominates your phone on release date. So we will be using those. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, I think we already touched base on a lot of information here. I would like to, before we close the panel, I would like to hear um, what resources you guys are using to keep up with um, new developments, new tools, and anything that's happening in this industry? Oh, um, so I use events like this. Uh, I, I mostly use the real world. Um, so contacts, events like this. I'm a mentor uh, for the Techstars Accelerator. Um, I did a mentor day for Capitals Accelerator with... Um, they, they just had some people over at the panel next door. Um, so I really just try and stay involved with the community of new technology. And that's how I found Seated, who I mentioned earlier. Um, and so you get introduced to a lot of things. And then just reading and talking to people and having friends and you know, getting around. Um, I mean, I subscribe to very few newsletters just because I'm sure like everybody's inboxes are insane. But I do find that Motive Unknown, that's one newsletter that I subscribe to, there, um, sometimes it's a bit UK leaning, but I do find that it's pretty much great global digital news and I love what they cover. Um, but I also just follow a bunch of artist managers that I really respect and I just watch to see how they're shouting out what their artists are doing and just like follow the breadcrumbs of what did they do that really changed their campaign and who works at those companies and literally just going into LinkedIn and being like, who do I know that knows somebody over there and you just get that meeting and figure it out. Um, but really, I think it's it's not subscribing to like 10 million newsletters. It's really just finding like one or two that you love and paying attention and yeah, to your network. Yeah, that, the Motive Unknown one's called the Daily Digest. I highly recommend everyone subscribe to that. Um, Darren runs this company, Motive Unknown. It's a third-party marketing agency out of the UK, but it's basically he just aggregates all of the, the day's music, tech, consumption, marketing, social media news for the day. And because he's in the UK, it's in your inbox by 6 a.m. Um, but he also editorializes it, so he kind of gives his point of view on the day's news, and it's, it's really great. Um, another one that we like is Music Ally. Um, that's, a, that's another good, if you're going to yeah. subscribe to another newsletter, um, I, think, I think that's a good one. And then the other one is also just like, yeah, looking at other artist campaigns. Like I've noticed that for the last like, three albums, Hot Chip on Domino Records has done a really, really incredible job at launching an album, launching a pre-save. They tap into the Spotify API really smartly. It's like... It's, I don't Can know you if explain someone, how they did that? Well, something? it's just like they, they, they make it feel like it's fun to be a fan of the band. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's, it's very them, it's very engaging. Um, it doesn't feel like you're being tricked into pre-saving an album so that you can maybe enter to win some signed guitar. It's like, it's like, it's just they, they make it feel like you're part of an experience. They tap into the API, so you have to pre-save to, to, to enjoy the experience. But once you're in, it's, it's, it's you know creative, it's colors, it's, it's videos, it's, it's like they've sort of gamified it in a way, but it doesn't feel like I'm being gamed. It's mm -hmm. just, it's, it's really brilliant. The last two albums in specific have, have done that. So it's like following artists like that, finding ones who are doing it well, seeing what they're doing and, and yeah. that, yeah. Uh, one of the best ways that I find out about things is being involved in the music startup community. So it's like, uh, I've been a mentor for a number of, um, uh, music tech accelerator programs and things like that, which means that I'm constantly interacting with brand new startups who are making new tools that many of them which serve me, um, which is great. But um, that has been just awesome way to get, uh, to, to stay as up to date as possible on like brand new tools. The, the flip side of that is often these tools aren't ready for prime time, but um, 
most of these are built on other technologies and you can kind of follow the, the breadcrumb trail again to sort of like figure out um, other tools we should be using. Yeah, sounds really good. Are there any, any other tips that you would like to share, like best practice that you think are maybe helpful for our audience? So for what I do, since I'm marketing to, I call them the one percenters, the most hardcore of the hardcore, they like to form communities and talk about everything together. So I would say just to be where your fans are and listen to what they're saying. So I hang out and read it. I read all the comments on Facebook. I read all the comments on Instagram. I see what people think about the t-shirt blank, how the poster was shipped, everything. So I would just say to listen as much as possible. Um, Instead of trying to get people to go to a destination, go to where they are, just figuring out like in your you know, Google Alerts where people are talking about your, your artist and just having that organic relationship and responding. So like I started a Reddit account to actually respond to what fans were saying about our artists. Yeah. Brian? One more thing. As people's inboxes are insanely flooded with emails, as people are flooded with ads and social media and everything, um, I'm now a big fan of of SMS uh, campaigns. So there's a there's a product called Community um, that was uh, originally called Digits. It was part of the TechStars uh, class of 2018. Uh, so I'm a really big fan of that. Actually, Tony Hawk just went on, and it was trending on Twitter last weekend. So basically, it's you post a phone number uh, on social media saying, "Hey, call me" or "text text me." Um, and that is a, uh, it's a unique phone number for the artist um, and the dashboard is really clean and you can basically communicate directly to your fans through text. So when was the last time you got a text and you didn't look at it, right? So the open rates are like 95 plus percent. So it's a really, really powerful tool um, and, and it's not expensive and it's, it's I think, it's not going to replace email, but I, I really like it as a, uh, as a companion uh, or as a companion. How do you set those up? So you basically get in touch with with community. If anyone's interested, I can. Um, I mean, I, I can. I can put you in touch. Or I can get you the the the, the email address or the, the website. But basically, um, you say, okay, I have an artist from the San Fernando Valley, so I want them to have an 818 area code phone number because that's them. That represents them. So you set up the number. They whitelist it. It takes like a week to do it, um, and then once they have the number, uh, you're set up with the dashboard on the back end and on on the front end. The artist just posts on socials the number or we've had artists do it where like literally they're playing at a, on a big stage and they've got the screens where they're showing the, the lights in the stage production and they post the number there say hey text me after the show um, and then it all every message is just saved into this dashboard and you can filter it so when the fan gets onboarded they're asked some questions which are not mandatory but things like what's your birthday you know what's your zip code so if you if they give you that information you can then uh, you can then create thresholds so you can wish your fans a happy birthday on their birthday or um, you can geo-target so like, hey, let's say you're playing a show in LA and you know you have 20 extra tickets, you can say, hey, first 20 people to respond, you know, I'm giving away tickets to my show at the Echo tonight and things like that. So it's, it's a really good tool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, brilliant. That's really interesting. Um, the, this is a very different topic, but the, um, the one tool that I use every single day more than anything else in the entire world is Photoshop. Uh, and I believe that if there was a copy of Photoshop on every computer in the music industry, it would transform the industry. Uh, it's $10 a month. You should pay for it. It, is, it, is, it ties into every single other thing we've talked about here, whether that's SMS or it's email or it's e-commerce or it's social or it's advertising. At some point, you're going to need an image, and Photoshop <laughs> is... 
my, my one addition with the exception of the Photoshop thing, which I think everybody, I have it on my computer. I think everyone needs it. Um, is, you know, I, I, I second the community point and the SMS point. Um, we have an artist that's, that's develop a developing artist that's using it and kind of growing their base on there. Um, my, my, I guess my, comment is that nothing is a magic bullet and every artist is different like i definitely do what ryan does also i'm a, I'm a member of the um lindsey sterling uh fan community on facebook which is sixteen thousand people and you see stuff from like the weirdest things you've ever wanted to know about lindsey to like customer service complaints that we actually like forward to the right people and respond to and get them taken care of so you do learn things by paying attention that wouldn't work for john legend he's got twice the audience on facebook 10 times the audience on Instagram, but there's just not a community around him as much because that's just not the type of audience he has. You know, 70% of his music listening on YouTube is people watching lyric videos of one song. Um, so it's like he just doesn't have the same community there. So marketing to his audience is very different. And so to expect any magic bullet, any one thing, like if I was running a brand, like, a, a t like apparently community went in, I pitched a friend at Disney. And my friend at Disney was like, what would I do with this? I'm like, because you don't want Aladdin texting you. you know, so you have to think that through, right? You, you do want Denzel Curry texting you. You don't want Aladdin or maybe Elsa from Frozen. People would want that. So that's just one point to like really think things through is like there's no magic bullet. Okay, great. I think that brings us to the end of the panel. Thank you for listening to this special episode of the Music Tectonics podcast with a recording from the Music Tectonics conference, which took place October 2019 in Los Angeles. To keep apprised of other recordings from the conference and our upcoming 2020 dates for the conference, please hit subscribe to your favorite podcast app. I'd like to send a special thank you to our supernova sponsors of the Music Tectonics conference, AdRev, CD Baby, and Hydric, and to our star sponsors, Lyric Find and Hyper Wallet. And to everybody who came out and made the first conference a great success, check out the Seismic Shift trading cards on our website. And if you go to musictectonics.com, sign up for our newsletter where you can keep apprised of upcoming podcast episodes, blog posts, and other events we're doing. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Music Tectonics.